This is Sean, and you're listening to Promise, a podcast showcasing the heroes of tomorrow. Every episode is an exploration on the idea of promise itself. Whether that's the potential for success or the commitments we make to get there, I speak with exceptional, purpose-driven people on their journeys to change the world. In this week's episode, I chat with Jarman Stevens, co-founder of Gridmo. Gridmo is building software for a hidden problem in our electrical grid, that being the bottleneck of grid modeling. What is that? Well, we get a crash course on the intricacies of the energy grid to begin with, before diving into what grid modeling is and the bottlenecks it causes. We also chat about Gridmo's solution to the bottleneck, the different challenges posed by renewable versus non-renewable energy, the balance between regulation and innovation, and finish with a rallying cry to the energy industry. Please enjoy my discussion with Jarman Stevens. Today on the show, we welcome Jarman Stevens, co-founder of Gridmo. Gridmo is setting about to release the bottleneck of renewable energy projects in the pipeline through grid modeling. Jarman, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Sean. Glad to have you on board. So you are an electrical engineer by background. You have worked for engineering consultancies. You do a little bit of coding. And now you founded a company called Gridmo. So how would you best describe yourself and what it is you're trying to do at the moment? I'm someone who cares deeply about fairness and wanting to help people. And I just happen to be really interested in all things electricity. So what I'm trying to do through Gridmo is accelerate the energy transition by reducing the time it takes to connect electricity generation to the grid. That sounds like a problem that I guess the layman would not have heard of. They would just think, well, I connect my solar panel and it works and I get feed-in tariffs and all of that. And then there's also massive batteries and solar farms and wind farms that go out and, you know, people think they might stall because of regulation or something like that. But let's talk through what the intricacies of all of this actually are so that we can build a better understanding of how all of this operates, this whole ecosystem, and where yourself and Gridmo actually fits into it. So to begin with, I'd love to hear your take on the local Australian energy market. How does it work? Yeah, so this one question could provide enough content, I think, for the entire podcast episode, but I'll try my best to pluck out the most important and interesting bits. So firstly, in Australia, we actually have several energy markets, but I'll focus on the national electricity market, which is the biggest electricity market in Australia. And apologies to people from WA and Northern Territory and people who love gas markets. Uh, so the national electricity market spans from northern Queensland to South Australia and even into Tasmania via a big undersea cable across Bass Strait. And it's all interconnected and has to be one of the most complex machines humans have ever made. So the electricity network is comprised of three main things. You've got generators, which generate the electricity, the poles and wires that move the electricity around, and the customers like you and me who consume the electricity. Now, at its core, and I'm skipping over a, a lot of complexity here, there is a physics problem that we need to solve. Electricity is not easily stored, and therefore we are constantly in a battle to ensure the amount of electricity being generated at any moment is the same as the amount of electricity being consumed at any moment. And it's a really tough problem to solve. 
So how do we solve this problem? Well, we created a live marketplace for people to buy and sell electricity. And at any moment throughout the day, we look at how much electricity customers like you and me need and need to use. And then each generator offers to sell electricity to supply to these customers. And whichever generators make the cheapest bids, or cheapest compliant bids, and win, they get to provide us with electricity. And if working well with good amounts of competition, this system can be a great way to keep electricity prices low for customers. And you alluded to that this is an Australian thing, and there's many energy markets around the world, and they all have their nuances, but they kind of all share that common core physics problem they need to solve. Right. Okay. So speaking of physics, then, why is it not the case that we can just build an extra power plant or build an extra wind farm and just plug and play? You mentioned storage and turning things on and off on demand, but what's the issue with connecting these projects to the grid here and the space that you play in grid modeling? Why does it matter so much? Yeah, I'd probably one clarification as well is the space Gridmo is playing in is not the mum and pop rooftop solar systems, probably not the small stuff. So there's a certain size where you get big enough, starting at a very large rooftop solar installation for a big industrial client, all the way up to big wind farms, solar farms, coal-fired plants that power the states, that, that kind of size. So why is it not so easy? Unfortunately, I wish a lot of these things were pretty easy. The grid is a really, really complex beast. And it's some very, very smart people are operating it at any one time. So when you get these big systems, they can influence the grid a lot. You need to check and ensure they are going to do the right thing. As an example, if you just plug something in without doing any of the modeling and there was a power line that fell down, you wouldn't be sure whether the performance would act in a certain way that would allow you to ride through that event and not cause a blackout. You need to do a huge amount of effort, lots of maths, modeling, simulating everything that could happen over the next 30 years to make sure that when you put this new power plant in, it's going to meet the performance requirements and not cause things like blackouts. Right. Okay. I have a bunch of questions related to that, but <laughs> we can get into those a little bit later. A couple minutes ago, you mentioned that you're super keen on accelerating the energy transition towards renewable energies. Now, I'm curious... Does this matter whether or not it's a, it's a renewable energy project or a non-renewable energy project? At its core, Gridbo is a tool that is agnostic on what type of technology it connects. It doesn't really matter whether it's coal, fire, gas, hydro. I would say that the absolute vast majority of what people are wanting to connect is a renewable energy generation. And probably I would say is Gridmo has become far more important now that public sentiment has changed and we are moving towards a renewable grid. I'd say it's for a variety of reasons why we've become more important like this. Renewable energy generation tends to be smaller than, not, not always, but tends to be smaller than non-renewable energy generation sources. So maybe back in the day, you'd have a handful of really, really large coal-fired power plants. And now we have maybe each coal-fired power plant is being replaced by a dozen solar farms. The need for modeling 12 different things now instead of one, plus the interactions between those 12 different things, it becomes far more complicated and that has created the demand for Gridmo. And there's also some nuances about the technology itself. So without diving into the detail and using a million buzzwords, the control systems of a lot of inverter-based renewable energy generators tend to be more complicated than non-renewable energy generators, which have a nice hunk of metal spinning around. So I'd say that we're most likely going to be used for renewable energy generated sources and the need for our tool is going to be driven by that change. 
Now, that is an interesting response based on uh, some sentiment that's playing out in the media at the moment. So some segments of media and politics are quite vocally pro-nuclear instead of uh, renewable energy. And they have their reasons for why that is more beneficial. But given the profile of the energy output is quite different, it's to my understanding, it's a lot more steady rather than intermittent. Would this change the problem that you're trying to solve at all, if that comes to pass? Yeah, probably going to carefully remove myself from the hot uh, pro-anti-nuclear debate, but very happy to discuss what the impact would be to Gridmo of going down either of those routes. So if there remains no nuclear energy in Australia, which is realistically the likely scenario, then yeah, Gridmo is ready to go red hot to connect thousands of renewable energy plants to the grid. Now, if Australia did go down the nuclear energy route, it could potentially change the problem we're trying to solve. So I would say if there were lots of smaller modular nuclear reactors, which is the talk of the town, then there could still be this high volume of grid connections which, where grid mode can really help. But if Australia went down the route of just having a handful of very large generators again in each state, but instead of it being coal and gas, it was just nuclear... Uh, then to be honest, yeah, Gridmo might turn into a nice to have if you just have these four big generators that sit there. Understood. Okay. Now that we've got a, a more well-rounded understanding of the problem space that you're trying to tackle, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you, Jarman. If you can share with us, talk through your background in electrical engineering and how you came to focus on this problem. When did you notice this was a problem? Yeah, so my background, I graduated from electrical and computer systems engineering at Monash in 2014 and started my career at a company called ABB. And I actually started my career in power electronics and rail outside of renewables and helped build substations for Yarra Trams here in Melbourne. And then at my second job at a consultancy called Middleton Group was where I put up my hand to help launch their grid modeling team. And uh, that's where I painstakingly traversed the Dunning-Kruger effect curve in the world of grid modeling. And I began to notice there was a problem when really a lot of my day was spent reinventing the wheel. And don't get me wrong, you know, we had a really great team, high-functioning team who were kind of reinventing great wheels, I guess. But I began to question whether there was a missing link in the industry that would help me and others like me in what we were doing. So I think it was a really at the the best expression is at the coalface. But at the coalface, I really saw the problem because realistically, I'd be a person who would have bought Gridmo. But there's a distinct leap between noticing the problem, realizing that you would be the exact customer, and then jumping on to, I'm the person who's going to solve that problem. So what made you decide that this should be your life's work? Um, Well, not just yourself, but yourself and your co-founder, Damien. What opportunity did you see here? I think Damien and I really saw the same opportunity. We, we saw a large amount of duplicated efforts in our industry and had the feeling like every company was making their own you know, custom accounting software rather than using something like Xero. And that's a non-sponsored uh, <laughs> advertisement. Uh, additionally, I think we had an insight that the problem was getting far worse and not better. So the number of grid connections were skyrocketing and the connections were getting far more complicated, and we just saw the industry couldn't train power system engineers fast enough to do it the existing way. 
we decided it should be our life's work probably from a few things. I really like the Dunning-Kruger effect, so I'll, I'll mention it again. But using that, we finally reached a point in our careers of escaping that valley of despair where we felt we had enough knowledge to understand why something like grid mode didn't exist. And it's really hard. There are a lot of challenges ahead of us, but at least we knew all the challenges ahead of us that it would be really hard, but we finally felt like we weren't missing anything. And we knew that this was just something that hadn't been done and that really needed to be done. And then kind of why us? I think we felt based on our domain expertise, where we'd been in our careers, and we felt like it was was a really good time for us. We're at the age and in personal situations where we could really buckle down, tackle the problem and have the opportunities to actually quit our jobs. So it might be different for different people at different times in their career, easier or harder. So it was really a combination of a lot of things that we thought, yeah, this is this is the one. Yeah, so far it's been it's been really great. We've spoken to, oh God, 40, 50 people across the industry and it was a bit of a journey of how we got here, of quitting my day job and then testing out the idea to a huge number of people in the industry to make sure I wasn't going insane and it was something that people wanted. Then building a pretty rough prototype to get in front of some potential customers and garner interest and make sure we're on the right path. And yeah, now here we are, we're a real company in a real office <laughs> building software that people love. Excellent. Now let's talk about that real company and that piece of software in a little bit more detail. So you've alluded to this a couple of times now about how prior to your conceptualizing of Gridmo, every company would have to do this modeling on their own over and over and over again, which sounds like ultimately it is a pretty fragmented ecosystem. I'd love for you to sense check me on that. And actually talk me through what that ecosystem is like and where your software fits in in the middle of it. Yeah, sure. The status quo is where you have some core power systems software. And I'll rattle off some names like MATLAB and PSSC and PSCAD and Power Factory. It really depends on where you are in the world. But you, you have this core software Trust me, they exist. I know they're not common household names. And then grid modeling engineers across hundreds of companies each have their own bespoke Python scripts, which interface with these core software packages to run studies that meet the requirements of local grid codes. And the outputs are currently things like reports and plots and other things that engineers review for performance. But that should hopefully give an understanding kind of where we sit. Where Gridmo fits in is we still have to connect to those same core power system software packages. A lot of the inputs we receive are in those formats. But in the back end, that's still connected, but we provide a mature SAS offering, which standardizes and automates the studies required to meet local grid codes. And you also mentioned that in a previous life, you would have been a customer for Gridmo, but that was when you were working for a consultancy. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but my initial impression was that this would be software for the power generation companies themselves, but please enlighten me, who would the customers actually be? Yeah, for Gridmo, there are probably four main categories of customers. I'd say the first would be the developers, so the people who would like to go and build some generation, like a wind farm, who really kick off and start the whole process. Then there are the manufacturers or OEMs. They're the people who design and manufacture the products like wind turbines. Then you have the utilities market operators, regulators, governments, I'd probably put them into the, maybe a third bucket. And these are the people who are responsible for planning and reviewing everyone's homework. And then finally, yeah, you have the consultants like me who help out in a variety of different ways across the industry. And we're targeting all four of those types of people. Going through them again, we'd love to help developers 
get their projects connected faster and selling electricity into the market sooner. We'd love to help manufacturers make sure their products meet the local grid requirements, and especially for new entrants into Australia, because it can be quite daunting. We'd love to help the utilities and market operators that get big bucket to check everyone's homework faster and plan for the future. And yeah, I'd especially love to help consultants who felt like me (laughs) in my old job. Totally understandable. I think I feel like I've been in that position before in a previous life as well. Now, you've also mentioned that through Gridmo, the grid modeling process would be standardized or simulations would be standardized. So my question is, why would you want to standardize simulations when the idea behind simulations themselves are to test variables? A really good question. So I'd probably just clarify what I say we're standardizing. So I'd say we're standardizing the way simulations are structured and applied while also making it easier to test a wider range of variables. And maybe a specific example, like we're not standardizing the tests themselves such that every project only simulates the same one power line falling over, but instead we're standardizing the way people consider different contingency events and make it easier for people to think to consider things like power lines falling over or generator tripping offline and actually run more and more of those variables. Okay, now that makes a little bit more sense. All right, let's talk about a a real-world application of this. So the 2016 South Australia blackouts. Back then, I think just shy of a million people ended up without power. Can you talk us through what actually happened back then and how Gridmo would have helped alleviate the scenario? Yeah, so it was a pretty wild event. I think in 2016 and then more recently last year with the wholesale market suspension, electrical engineers were, for once in their life, the kings of dinner party conversation. (laughs) Maybe a quick summary of the events that led to the blackout. There was some wild weather that initially caused some damage to South Australian transmission lines and then some damaged transmission lines caused some disturbances on the grid, which I think then a collection of wind farms in South Australia went offline. And then it was all in these things. It's never one event. It's always like a cascading set of of things that happen. So then after the loss of wind generation in South Australia, that meant the line from Victoria to South Australia was overloaded, eventually dropped off, and you have more generation tripping. And before you knew it, the state was on its own and in a blackout. So yeah, a lot of different events that kind of led to it, is my understanding. Since day dot, there was a lot of finger pointing and there's some actually some legal proceedings around it. So I probably won't add my finger into the array of pointing, but I have been very interested in those events that led to the disaster and how it could be avoided in the future. Now, would Gridmo have helped in the scenario? It's an interesting question. I think, you know, we could have made power modeling a bit easier and maybe added a few more of those variables. But from my understanding of that exact situation, triggered it off, possibly not. So... They have since introduced a new test around things like multiple fault ride-through that people need to conduct to help avoid another disaster like that in the 2016 blackout. So rather than making such a bold claim, I'd probably say instead where we could help now is help people understand and prove their performance now that this new rule exists that's been added since that event happened. All right. Great. That makes sense. Speaking of rules, obviously you're playing in a very regulated industry. And Australia is one market with its own quirks, or rather, I should say, it is one country with multiple markets with its own quirks. 
How would this apply globally? You did mention that every country will have similarities, but their own unique quirks. So for example, if you were to apply grid modeling in the US or the EU or somewhere in Asia, how would this work? And does standardizing still work? Yeah, to understand our applicability globally, I think a good way is looking at what common problems we are solving that are based in engineering first principles rather than a local grid code nuance of section 2.5.1 or something. So we're making stuff which helps tackle the problem of a soaring volume of generator connections, requiring lots of modeling, and we're standardizing the way simulations are run and results analyzed. So there are lots of places in the world which are going through that same energy transition. And I think Australia is actually a little bit of the canary in the coal mine where we have big fossil fuel fleets that are being turned off and being replaced by swaths of distributed inverter-based generation. Now that's to say maybe you do have a lucky country that just has two big hydro dams, they're small and they can maybe won't have these problems. But a lot of the world is going through that same energy transition or will be going through that same energy transition in the future. Now, you're right saying there's still a lot of customization to local grids, such as maybe which power system software we have to connect to in the back end, which templates we use for reports. So I'd say that like some markets share similarities and therefore expanding to some energy markets will be easier than others. But that's definitely our plan. So yeah, at Gridmo, our plan is to expand globally. Initially, we decided to start in our own backyard due to our local experience. I'd say we have a bit of an unfair advantage, which we want to exploit. Since Damien and I have been in the game for years, we tend to know the unwritten rules and those nuances that I talked about, know who to call, and we can get Gridmo started faster. But then, yes, once we've built the foundations of our company, we'll be turning our eyes to other energy markets around the world, which are going through that same energy transition that Australia is going through. Right. Okay. Now, I've got a follow-up question in regards to regulation as well. So ultimately standardizing is the name of the game here. What are your thoughts around working with regulators around standardization? I firstly want to acknowledge that regulators have a really tough job. So they need to write regulations which are prescriptive enough to provide consistency between generators and not have the grid just being a mess, but not so prescriptive that they suffocate innovation or require constant updates when there's new technology that comes out. And it's a really, really fine balancing act. We've definitely reached out to the regulators and we've started discussions about what we're doing and are providing suggestions all through the official channels. I don't see Gridmo working with regulators to enforce the use of Gridmo as the rubber-stamped official standard and being some sort of saviour to this fine balancing act, which is really hard. Instead, I think we're focusing on providing a great software for our customers and providing standardisation that instead just makes their life easier. Makes sense. All right. Now let's look towards the future of Gridmo. What are your next steps? So we were recently lucky enough to be accepted to the Startmate Accelerator program. And they're a great team there and have really sharpened our goals and focus. So I, I do have a very specific answer to that of what we're doing over the next coming months. So the first is launching our MVP. Damien and I are madly coding away building out the MVP functionality. It's a lot of fun. We filled out many whiteboards in our office with user interface mockups and ideas for certain algorithms. And 
So once we've launched that MVP, then we want to get this into the hands of our early customers. So we're a, a big fan of just getting something out as soon as possible into customers and really start to go through that build, measure, learn, cycle feedback loop. Over the past several months, we've talked with a collection of customers and really had discussions on who's on board and agrees with what we're trying to achieve here. So we've chosen some people who are great early adopters. And then once they've gotten their hands and loving it, then really it's, yeah, it's about growing our wait list of companies and growing a big list of features that are definitely going to be missing on our MVP. We've already swagged a lot of people and version two is going to be looking great. <laughs> and then once we've got a product in people's hands that people love, then really it's about building a team that can deliver for that big wait list of companies and deliver those huge swath of features for our customers. And then probably leading on from before, then look to our eye to expand overseas. All right. Excellent. You've already spoken with 40 plus people in the industry to validate this idea. And you've got, was it four different types of customers that you're aiming for? Are there any dream organizations that you want to partner with considering all of these different groups of people? I'm not sure if there's any dream organizations that I'd like to single out and make anyone else feel a little less loved, but I would say maybe some key organizations that we'd love to partner or work with. I'd say the people who build some of these core power system software modules we have to use in the back end, we'd love to, to work with them and I'm having a great relationship. And then I'd say the next one would be probably the utilities and network operators to better understand their pain points and where we can help the most in the industry. Damien and I have come from the proponent side, so people trying to get things connected rather than people who have been reviewing people's homework for the past 20 years. We'd love to develop some good working relationship with them to have that really deep understanding of the pain points that they have. And as part of your next steps, you did also mention that you're looking to expand the product, get to version two, and build out the team as well. So bearing in mind that yourself and Damien have the electrical energy industry expertise, as well as the coding chops, are there any additional skills that you think you'd need at Gridmo? Yeah, we're a little bit fortunate that we do cover off a lot of the skill set needed at the start. So we've got a strong engineering and software skill set. And even just as we alluded to, you know, Damien and I would both have been customers of this. We've come with a bit of an intimate understanding of what the software should do, at least enough to launch the MVP and get that build, measure, learn cycle going. But in the future, I think there's probably two main skills we need to develop at Gridmo. One is some very, very serious software engineering skills to start offering advanced features to our customers that we really want to. For example, we'd love not to only help them understand whether their generation design meets local grid codes and can be connected, but to go one step further and help them design their generation in the first place or find a good place to put it. And I'd say the second skill is really becoming an expert in understanding our customers well. So this is our first B2B SaaS company and we've both gained a serious appreciation for talking to customers, understanding their pain and then translating this into features that are wonderful and exciting. So we're both working on these skills ourselves, but most likely we're going to be growing a team to excel on these two particular areas. Excellent. If anybody is out there with those particular skills, well, perhaps you can get in touch with Jarman and Damien at Gridmo. We'll grab your contact info towards the end of the show. So now you've got these goals for what kind of customers you want to reach and how you want to grow the team. In the far future, if everything goes right for you, what do you think the world looks like? 
yeah, if we go go far enough, maybe it'd be something like on my hundredth birthday as I'm you know commuting to work on my hoverboard is where a grid maybe it looks more like an organism. So I fantasize about a grid which can detect that it needs more generation or maybe less. You know, it can find a place for new generation, can design it and choose all the site-specific settings. And maybe if I'm really getting creative, have a swarm of robots go out and build the next solar farm when it's needed. But maybe that's a bit forward-looking and getting outside of Gridmost scope. So maybe the first three things there of detecting when new generation's needed, picking a place and designing it, that, that's a good Gridmo goal. All right. Well, let's actually touch on the more personal aspects of that goal where you live to 100 and you're on your hoverboard. Now, let's say you're able to get that far and everything else in between. What do you think you personally need to do to help get there? Yeah, I think there are a lot of great power system engineers out there, with many with far more experience spanning over decades. So I, I probably don't personally see myself as making a slightly better algorithm to solve some specific problem. But where I do think my personal skills are best used in what I think I need to do is use my domain knowledge and instill a feeling in this specific part of the industry that the status quo is not enough and that we've really got to keep evolving to keep up with the incredible pace of the energy transition. Well, Jarman, thank you so much for taking your time out and coming on the Promise podcast. The last thing that I'll get you to share is any social media handles or contact info you'd like to share with our listeners in case they wanted to get in touch with you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Sean. It was an absolute pleasure. And I'm always keen to introduce people into the world of grid modeling and the energy market. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we have a LinkedIn page, maybe a Twitter page if we get excited. In addition to company updates, we recently posted some photos from our two-person Christmas party, which was a hoot. So I'd recommend following us. Um, for those power system engineers out there listening, if you'd like to use the software, you can sign up to our waitlist on our website at gridmo.io. And remember, just a catch-all for anything else, just feel free to email me. And it's jarman at gridmo.io. Thank you once again, Jarman. That's it for today's episode of Promise. Be sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes on your favorite podcast platform. Do you think you or someone you know would have ideas worth sharing? send me an email to sean at promise.fm. Otherwise, subscribe and stay tuned to learn from tomorrow's heroes and what we've got is promise. <laughs>